You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Welcome to Talk of the Bay. I'm your host, Rick Kleffel. Tonight, we're going to take a look at the Real Work Film Festival, a film festival which promotes the awareness and central role of work in our lives and promotes films that discuss economic and global justice issues. With me in the studio, I have Jeffrey Smedberg. Thank you for joining me, Jeffrey. Good evening. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about uh, how this... uh, Film Festival came about because I think it has an, a great, interesting uh, backstory. It was formed by a couple of employees of the uh, who are in the SEIU. Yes, that's correct. I'm a member of SEIU, and um, almost almost ten years ago, we had a some women who'd been uh, veteran members of the union and had retired, and they were in a small retiree chapter of the union, and they thought hey, we'd like to raise a little money for our, for our senior activities and let's show a few movies. Uh, let's show a few movies about the labor movement. And so I ran into them and they proposed this idea. And I had also been thinking about it myself because I was an active member and had thought that, um, you know, our members, a lot of our union members don't really know the history of the labor movement. So we got together and talked the idea up and uh, really caught on and... And um, we got um, uh, Jim Schwenterly of the Nickelodeon Theaters to say, yeah, this is a great idea. He'd like to host some films. So instead of uh, just showing a couple of films at noon in the Union Hall, we got into the big theater right away. Now, one of the things that interests me is that uh, a film festival about uh, union work comes out of the the, as, uh, the union, in particular the SEIU. Um, this is kind of, in many ways, this is... In some ways, it's kind of an anonymous union because it's not like the auto workers union where we think we see guys in factories. Um, so, uh, or the air, the controllers union, air controllers union, traffic right. controllers union. We yeah. see the guys in front of their th- boards. Uh, state employees union is kind of a little bit more nebulous, but it's incredibly powerful, isn't it? It is, and it's powerful because it's a large union and uh, has a lot of members, and so. When our conventions and so forth take a position on something, uh, you know, we have we can get the word out to a lot of members to uh, and uh, help educate them to take you know to take action in say in the political realm. Um, Service Employees International Union. It actually did start out as a janitor's union, mm-hmm. and uh, the way unions operate, you know, as as they grow, sometimes they will expand their um, their realm of membership and so besides janitors it took on other service workers and a lot of workers in uh, in um, for local government and nonprofit agencies and that's where we are now and uh, 
representing mostly uh, local government and uh, and state workers, government workers, and nonprofit workers. A lot of them in the medical field. A lot of nurses and hospital workers. And in where I work at the County of Santa Cruz, it's pretty almost wall to wall. It still has the custodians, but it also has the engineers and the nurses and um, you know everything in between. That's a, a union that uh, represents a, a wide cross-section of American economic conditions and cultural mores. Talk about how such a varied amount, a vast variety of people can have any kind of coherent opinion on anything. Well, um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, and... We don't agree on everything, but mm-hmm. there are some major things that uh, we see even across industries and uh, you know across uh, uh, the the types of work and on uh, all different uh, areas of the country. We um, we all can agree on some things. For example, um, healthcare. We've come out very strongly for uh, single payer healthcare and universal healthcare, and um, so we've been very supportive of. Um, of the efforts of the administration to get at least a start in that direction. We're going to take a quick break here and bring on another caller. You're listening to Talk the Bay on KUSP 88.9 FM. with Talk of the Bay. I'm your host, Rick Kleffel. With me, I have uh, Jeff Smedberg, and with him is uh, Julian Brackett. He's a student uh, coordinator for events on campus. Thank you for joining us, Julian. Uh, hello. Now, um, Jeff, when we when we last uh, took a break here, um, we were talking about the, the SEIU, and one of the things that, that uh, interests me is, um, does the SEIU, SEIU represent people who are in the film industry down south? Uh, I, I'm wondering if because there might be some kind of crossover between the picture you're seeing on the screen and the people who are putting it there. Uh, actually, I don't, I don't know of anyone in SEIU who's really uh, directly involved in the film industry. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, one of the things that, that when I think about movies labor issues in movies is maybe not the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> so, right. uh, what kind of movies uh, did uh, Myrna, Ginny, and uh, uh, the gentleman from the Nickelodeon first want to uh, start working on? I mean, who? what kind of movies did they want to show, even just sitting in the union hall there? Right. Well, um, that first year, uh, um, let's see, the, one of the, the very first film we showed... Uh, darn, the name is slipping my mind. It's the. Uh, um, it was about uh, textile workers in the South, mm-hmm. and uh, this one woman who's the um, uh, who's a textile worker has had enough, and she stands up the the sort of the 
momentous scene in the movie. She stands up on top of a table and she holds up a sign that says strike. And Is this Norma Ray? Yes, thank you. Okay. Thank you, Norma Ray. <laughs> That's Sally Field. And, and I think right, a, Sally Field. And an Academy Award winning. Not yes, right. absolutely. So that was a, that was a, a mm-hmm. first-run film. She held up the sign uh, strike and slowly everyone in the one by one people in the in that factory turned their machines off and that's apparently it was based on a true story and that's how they managed to get some gains in that industry and so that was a first run film mm-hmm. and there are a few first run films that are about labor and work um, the the full name of our festival is the real work uh, May Day Labor Film Festival and mm-hmm. we, we always try and remember to get the word labor in there because mm-hmm. It's about work and working people. And what we focus on is how working people, by uh, through united effort, can take have taken action to make changes in their lives and, and in the lives of their families. And in some cases, they struggle in that direction and don't succeed. And, you know, we feature those struggles, too, because there are a lot of... A lot of glorious history there, making attempts, now, and and we mm-hmm. and we've always we always do the fil- the film festival around the week of May first, May Day, because May Day is known internationally everywhere in the world except in the United States as International Workers Day. Uh, in this country, we celebrate. Uh, uh, a, a day almost at the other end of the calendar uh, in September, and we're trying to reclaim May first as the real Labor Day. That that's interesting. Um, this this year you have a, a wonderful selection of a lot of really interesting first run documentaries and uh, some some nonfiction stuff. Now, uh, talk about what what is included in the um, festival because it's not just movies, is it? Right, that's true. There are a lot of films. Uh, we have um, on our first day, the first evening, which is in Santa Cruz, April uh, 25th, we have uh, a duo of uh, singers and songwriters, um, Charlie King and Karen Brandau, and they have often come and been part of our festival, and they're doing songs about uh, labor history. And um, that's another way to, it, it, you know, um, there's there's a, a long tradition of of song in in the labor movement as well. For example, on uh, May the fifth, the film that we're showing at Cabrillo College is Bound for Glory, and that's about Woody Guthrie's life, and he certainly. Uh, was a great supporter of the Wobblies, the IWW, and other labor um, act- uh, um, advocates at the time. Now, uh, one of the things that's nice about this festival is that it, it's so homegrown, bottom-up organized. Now, But when you have a, a bottom-up organization, things can tend to maybe drift apart. So talk about uh, how you guys work um, from the ground floor, yet keep a, a coherent theme and festival. And how long is this thing in the preparation, I guess? Well, we usually start having meetings regularly in January, uh, end of December or January. Um, and it is a loose-knit group of uh, half a dozen to up to ten people on our organizing committee. It is pretty loose, and a lot of us have stuck together over nine years. This is going to be our ninth year. Mm-hmm. Um, we've um, lost some very good p- 
people on our committee who've moved out of the area, for example, Paul Ortiz and, and Sheila Payne um, were really prime movers and we're trying to make do without them. And uh, we run our uh, business by consensus and uh, we all, and it works because we all share the same vision of trying to provide some new information and some education to the community. That's one of the things I think that's really nice about this, is that this is a way for us to see a lot of films with uh, common themes, not exactly mirror images of one another, um, in a short amount of time and kind of uh, just bring our consciousness, bring these kind of events and ideas to, to the front of our, our minds. Now, uh, I'm looking here at your schedule, and one of the first things that's showing is Food, Inc., which is a very interesting uh, movie uh, based in part on the work of Michael Pollan. Yes, right, and he narrates that film. It, it's an excellent film, and it has made a theatrical run through the community. I think it was it did play here briefly, mm -hmm. uh, but I don't think a lot of people saw it. And it's very interesting, this season of the year, uh, the springtime, there's a series of film festivals, and we're kind of right in the middle of, uh, of a whole series of films. And right before us, starting on Earth Day, there's a short series of four films uh, on, I guess, the sort of the, the theme is You Are What You Eat. There are films about food. And mm -hmm. on the 23rd, they have their last of the series. And this was quite uh, coincidental. You know, our first film really relates to their theme mm -hmm. because Food, Inc. is all about how the, the corporate production of food and, and it's, uh, you know, there have been people who've seen that movie who walked in as uh, omnivores and came out as vegetarians just mm -hmm. because of the graphic images and uh, understanding where their food came from. Now, the reason why we can make this, why we can include this in a labor film festival, mm -hmm. um, because we are fairly strict about having all the films relate to working people's struggles and, and labor, uh, but sometimes we stretch that a bit to, uh, for example, in this film. In one of the scenes, they're talking about the production at Smithfield, which is the largest um, um, meatpacking plant in, um, I, I think it might be South Carolina, somewhere in the, in the South. And there was a big strike because the working conditions were so bad there was a big strike, which is touched on a little bit in the in the film. So we are making a program out of this film in the Labor Film Festival by inviting uh, one of the organizers of the strike, who which was put on by the UFCW, the United Food and Commercial Workers. They represented the workers there. So we're going to see this film, and then we're going to have a a talk and a discussion about the labor angle on the whole food production industry. And so that's how we make that film into, uh, uh, you know, good material for a labor film festival. Now, um, we were talking about one of the things that uh, a film festival about labor takes is a, is a great deal of labor itself. Uh, right. And you run things across a lot of venues, including um, UCSC, and we have our student coordinator here with us, uh, Julian Brackett. Uh, Julian, how did you get roped into helping the Real Work uh, Labor Film Festival? Uh, well, the opportunity kind of arose in um, my Community Studies 102 class, which is a uh, field study preparation for all the community study uh, majors, 
community studies students there and are actually going to go into the field and do intern uh, work for various organizations working in different uh, social change uh, arenas. So when I heard of the real work uh, opportunity, I kind of jumped at it because I used to do a lot of social, uh, I used to do a lot of activism when I was in Los Angeles and I'm still doing organizing right now. So, and the one real dynamic that I haven't really jumped into was kind of social documentation and the power of film. And it's interesting that real work kind of takes on this multi-dynamic perspective of labor because I think it's really relevant right now for students because once we kind of leave the academic setting, we enter that workforce. And there's a lot of struggles and there are a lot of things that needs to be changed and needs to be worked on. So to kind of connect that shift, I think real work is going to be a very powerful festival festival for students because it will it'll it'll empower us in the sense it'll give us the historical backdrop of what happened and how we got to where we are now and where we need to go by linking the connections of a lot of injustices that are still going on right now well you know it, it strikes me um <clears throat> as as you speak that what has hap- happened in the past couple of years is we have had the most educated force of soon-to-be unemployed college graduates launched upon the world and that a lot of uh, people who maybe 10 years ago would have walked into an office job in the cubicle or now find themselves in what are strictly labor jobs and union jobs and that this kind of uh, film festival will provide them not only with perspective but with a means of like reclaiming uh, the the power of labor uh, by at at a lower level at, at a at a level where they maybe didn't expect to be finding themselves yeah uh, i fully agree it, it, in some sense it's bringing back security because we we have this false belief that once we graduate there's a job waiting which really isn't true these days so i think it, it's a really important event and festival and i think a lot of students should come out and see it uh the history jeff the history of the labor movement uh, there, there's a lot of things that, that have resulted from the struggles over the last 150 years which um, have become sort of uh, accepted and and taken for granted. The, the really good bumper sticker you've probably seen. Uh, the weekend brought to you by the labor movement. You know, the eight-hour day struggle was, uh, you know, that was hard fought in the uh, mid-1800s. Um, and... Uh, you know, to get the work week down from seven days to six days to five days and allow a weekend, that just didn't happen because uh, the employers said, oh, we're going to be nice to you employees and uh, and give you some time off. No, it happened through, uh, you know, very serious struggle. And um, in the eight-hour day struggle, uh, there were several people killed and and um, and f- then framed and hanged in the Haymarket Massacre in 1886 in Chicago. And that's kind of the moment that was uh, uh, memorialized by the, um, the celebration of May Day, Labor Day, or International Workers' Day. So, you know, it, it, the, the International Workers' Day does have its roots here in the United States. I have members of my union who don't know their history who think... Oh, why should I be active in my union? And you know, I got a good job. I got 
good, uh, decent wage and, and I got good benefits and I got retirement. You know, what do I need a union? What do I need a labor organization for? Totally forgetting where all that came from. And as you, you're talking about what the current economic conditions are, uh, all of these things that we've expected to be uh, just normal uh, normal part of work, like having employer-paid ba- health care and having a retirement account. Um, these are being threatened now. These are being threatened. And so, uh, you know, we have, to, we have to realize where our roots are, what our roots are, and, and know that those came from struggle, and to continue them is going to require more struggle. A lot of the the basic uh, advances of the previous uh, 50 years have been eroded seriously in the last 25 since uh, since the Reagan years as, as they the, the labor unions uh, strength has weakened greatly and one of the things I find interesting um, and especially in as regards a, a film festival like this this shows us where labor is now where it's been gives us an idea of the history and, and um, seeing some of these uh, portraits of a time when labor had a lot more power in the political arena, in the social arena, and to compare to it is now gives us an idea of what we've lost, but also what we can gain. Yes, exactly. In the after World War II, in the early fifties, that's probably the uh, sort of the golden age for the labor movement in the United States because there were massive organizing that began in the thirties and through the through World War II, and then in the 50s, labor, uh, one in every three working people in the United States was a member of a labor union. Uh, and um, and at that time, uh, labor kind of made a pact with, uh, with industry to say, well, you know, we will give you labor peace, and um, if, uh, if um, you know, we won't strike if you give us a piece of the pie. We're going to take a brief break here. We'll be back. You're listening to uh, Talk of the Bay on KUSP 88.5 FM. get back to Talk of the Bay with Julian Brackett. He's the student coordinator for the uh, Real Work Film Festival and Jeff Smedberg. Thank you for joining me, gentlemen. I was going to ask uh, Julian a question. We have a feature uh, film uh, that's going to be playing at the Del Mar Theater on uh, Wednesday, April the 28th. And this is a uh, commemoration. This event is a commemoration of the life and work of Howard Zinn, who is, uh, I like to think of our, as our generation's most inspiring uh, teacher of history. Uh, and when I grew up uh, and went to school and took history in high school, I got a, an old-style history. And since uh, Howard Zinn was a history teacher, and he couldn't find any good books, and so he wrote one himself called The People's History of the United States. And I know in Santa Cruz, in some places, they are now, that's uh, a textbook that's being used. I was wondering if you were, able, if you were introduced to that, uh, Julian, in your high school. 
unfortunately, in LAUSD, the, the amount of resources and text we're actually given to read is limited. And I don't believe we actually had any readings from Howard Zinn or actually any type of activists or mm-hmm. social movement. So it's pretty interesting that you asked that question. Uh, Jeff, why don't you give us a pocket history of Howard Zinn, who he was, that you kind of got to start there. But give us an idea of what his perception, what he brought that changed history. And I, I was thinking about this today because I was reading an alternate history. Um, and, and I was thinking that uh, the appeal of alternate histories isn't so much the spins they make, but the fact that we get alternate histories practically every time we turn on the TV or the newspaper <laughs> somebody's rewrite, rewritten the events of the past two years, let alone the past 200. Right, that's true, that's true. Uh, Howard Zinn was uh, born of um, immigrant parents who didn't have much education, and um, you know he, he ended up uh, going into the military and uh, in the, um, I guess in the Second World War, I guess it was the, uh, the, uh, the Army Air Corps. And uh, they gave him the job of, of being a bombardier, and so he was the guy who let the, the bombs drop in various places. And then uh, maybe 20 years later, he visited France and went to some of the villages that uh, had been in his bomb sites. And he, um, you know, the reports that he'd gotten at the time was that these were all military targets and and he found out firsthand that uh no there were a lot of civilians who were killed and he learned about collateral damage and and that was a sort of a defining moment for him where he began to question the um as you say the the official history that was taught or the official view of things and so uh, he went to on the GI Bill. He went to school and and studied history and and uh, got a job teaching at Spelman College, a traditionally all women's uh, all black women's school in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, he learned a lot from the students there and really participated with them in supporting uh, some of the um, uh, the anti segregation. Uh, um, movements that were going on there. And uh, Howard Zinn's view of history, just from his own personal experience, was mm-hmm. that the changes that happened did not happen by the, you know, the rich white men doing things. The, the, all the changes that happened really came from the bottom, came from the people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and um, so that's... So he likes to. He always taught that democracy comes from the bottom up, and and change, you know, social change comes from the bottom up. For example, Roosevelt and were uh, the, these times are sometimes compared to Roosevelt's times when there was a big uh, uh, depression, and oh, all the great things that the government did. Well, Roosevelt did not, by the kind of his kindness of his heart, just decide decide, oh, let's have a National Labor Relations Board and let's have, um, you know, other benefits for workers. Let's, oh, let's have a um, a social security system. These happened because there was widespread rioting and striking of working people all across the country. And that part of the history is not as well uh, remembered. And, uh, you know, Roosevelt did these these things because he was forced to. Greatness was thrust upon him, as they say. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about the the Real Work 2010 May Day Labor Film Festival. Um, 
takes place at a, a number of events uh, around Santa, or a number of uh, locations around uh, Santa Cruz. We have some that are showing at uh, the Nickelodeon Theater and some stuff that's showing at the SEI Union Hall. Uh, I guess it must be kind of, uh, I guess one of your jobs is to do the logistics of plotting out what's going to be where. Um, so tell us a little bit about that planning process and how you make sure everybody gets to where they're supposed to be. <laughs> right. Well, um, in our organizing committee, we try and figure out what films we want to show and we figure out which ones are going to have the biggest audience. And for example, the, um, the Howard Zinn film, the film that he worked on at the end of his life, uh, the People Speak, we figure there's a big following in Santa Cruz for that film. So we uh, we always are allowed one evening at the Del Mar Theater, and so we mm-hmm. put that film in there. Um, if we think that the, that the film is going to have a smaller draw, then we'll put it at a smaller venue, like the SEIU Hall, which can hold about 60 people, or... Um, the uh, Red Church, the Calvary Episcopal Church downtown, which will hold a hundred or so. Julian, uh, could you talk about uh, the event, or event, or and or events that are at school, and you know maybe why, why you think they were chosen? They chose those particular events to play there, and what how they'll play from your perception uh, for the students. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I know. One of the films is focusing primarily on uh, the economy, and I think any student that's about to graduate, any student entering the college atmosphere should have some sense of how the economy operates. A lot of times we, we don't, and, and it plays a major factor on uh, uh, our, our, our lifestyles. And um, the, the importance, I guess, of that film in, in the for students is that Oftentimes we feel like we're empowered. We feel like we have a knowledge of what's going on, but we really don't. And I know one of the big questions raised in the film is like, is, is what does the GDP really represent? What is it for? Does it, what does it measure, measure? And, you know, I think, I really think that the whole concept of the dollar and the importance of the dollar in our society starts in the academic setting because it's that whole sense that you kind of shift or we're, we're, we're placed into this location to kind of get ahead. Mm-hmm. So in some sense, it's you kind of, I guess you go for work rather than happiness, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, one of the other films that's playing at the, at the, um, in, in the series is uh, um, Why Are We in Afghanistan? This is at uh, the SEI Union Hall. Uh, Jeff, tell us a little bit about uh, that movie and, and uh, where that plays into the labor picture. Right. Uh, that evening, there's actually two films about uh, Afghanistan. And um, there is a, a group in the Monterey Bay area called, uh, they call themselves the Central Coast Workers Against War. And these are all uh, labor union members who, who really see... Um, the U.S. government's uh, adventures, military adventures overseas is being very costly besides being um, immoral. And when that much of the budget is, uh, is squandered overseas, uh, and you know, there's a question about what effect that really has on our real security, 
and it, you know, it's boondoggle for uh, military industries, perhaps. But that uh, that empties the coffers, the public coffers, for, uh, for um, so that so there's no money available when uh, when other uh, requests come, like oh, let's put a little money into education, or why don't we have some health care? So that's. Um, there's definitely and and in another sense we also see uh well who is it who fights in wars it's uh it's working people those are the people who are fighting in wars mm-hmm. and when they're in the military they're actually workers they're war workers and you know they're not allowed in the military to have unions um although in vietnam a lot of them organized against <laughs> against the war and that's one of the reasons why that war ended so there's a lot of tie-ins as to why uh, why uh, films about the war uh, fit into a labor film festival. Well, certainly in a in an uh, atmosphere where every other word seems to be staggering national debt, a staggering <laughs> number of the people who are talking about the staggering national debt have just developed a particular blindness for the black budget of the military in the Pentagon, which is more than half of everything we spend goes somewhere else doing something else for somebody else. And a lot of people might think that's maybe not in the best interest of uh, the, the American people. Now, one of the, there's a, a film here uh, that's going to be shown at the Cabrillo-Watsonville Forum. Uh, Watsonville on Strike. Tell us about this film. Was this made by a local filmmaker? Actually, it was. John Silver, who teaches uh, film at UCSC, and he also heads up a um, an organization called uh, um, uh, the Migrant Media Alliance. And, uh, you know, he's been making films to uh, promote the interests of uh, of far- farm workers and and people in this community for a long time. And this is the first film in uh, in Real Works history that now has a repeat. This was we showed in our very first year in 2002 and um, there were at that time there were a lot of uh, people in the Watsonville community who had participated in the 1989 strike. Uh, in the in the food packing plants in Watsonville, and um, we expect that some of those people will come back again to see this film. Now, uh, let's talk about some of the events that that don't involve film. That the um, on May first, there's the um, uh, parade and, and sing along. Uh, I think that these have to have as as much, or in some ways, maybe more importance than some of the film events, because when you see a film, you're essentially alone but when you're in a parade you are only together (laughs) well that's true that's true um and so we didn't have any film events on may 1st but we didn't want to pass up that day and so we are organizing a kind of an informal uh gathering at the town clock at four o'clock and then we're going to be you know a little few rousing speeches and then we're going to be um marching down Pacific Avenue and ending up with a sing-along at the Poet and Patriot uh, uh, Irish Pub. And, yeah, that's everyone is definitely going to be a participant in that event. But you mentioned... Uh, I did want to uh, just clarify something about all of our events. We, mm-hmm. um, we don't just show a film and then, you know, turn the 
film off and people walk out into the into the street. We try to we always include with a film we include a speaker or some other mm -hmm. part of the program uh, to try and take the message of the film. The film is a very powerful medium, mm -hmm. but uh, we try and help people relate that whatever they got from the film to what's going on right here and now. So we'll have a discussion and we'll bring up uh, perhaps uh, what's going on in uh, in our community today that relates to what's in the film and get, people's, get people to participate in the discussion. Uh, Julian, you know, as a guy who's working in community organization and you know and and with that in goal mm -hmm. uh film as is is as jeff says a, a very powerful tool and medium and and i'm wondering how much you find yourself using uh films and and how much you find yourself on the receiving end and maybe being be used having your activities filmed by others and maybe put in in a way that you do or do not like that's that's always a, a interesting uh, arena to kind of situate yourself in because the media has a, a very, the use of the media in any in any given space can change the dynamic of that space and as a community organizer you have to really be aware of what's being perceived or what's being projected so in some sense I, I try to stay out of media that I'm not really sure the direction is going towards or I don't know the direction but if it's media being produced by the community or that movement, I think that's very powerful because you, in some sense, it's giving a voice to those that usually don't have control over what's being produced or produced in the mainstream or or how they're being shown to the mainstream. Now, now you're a guy who gets up and talks in front of a bunch of people. You're doing that right this second. <laughs> um, so talk about, uh, you know, the importance of being able to stand up and talk in front of people as I think one of the key elements of any kind of labor organization and campaign. And, and uh, Jeff, feel free to chime in as well. I think the importance of it, it it's, the, it's the figure. I think a lot of times we get so caught up in, into a daily routine that the, the just the picture of a person standing up or a group of people standing up together and taking a stand, it, it really represents kind of a, a, a resist to the system or a, a willing to want to change things because I feel we oftentimes get too comfortable in the lifestyles we have and we forget we forget to look at the things around us. So in some sense, we have to kind of get pulled out of the water. Mm -hmm. And the whole ideal of standing up or taking uh, a stand against something really pulls people out of the water. And Jeff, you know, as I, he was talking, I was thinking of the that figure, that scene from Norma Ray. That's somebody, it's a, a vision of somebody literally taking a stand. And could you talk about uh, maybe your experiences with that and some of the films in this uh, series that reflect that, that the power of that uh, kind of vision? Right. Well, what I thought of was uh, back at UC, on the UCSC campus, uh, back on... Um, um, March the 4th, that was a day when the students and the unions on campus, uh, there was a little organizing that happened and everybody turned out on that morning and, and gathered at the base of campus with a lot of signs and there was uh, speeches and, and uh, 
picketing and basically they closed the campus down that day and so all these people got involved in um, you know through united action you know one person alone could not have done that but with a crowd of hundreds of people you know they could spill into the streets and you know get in the way of uh, you know the for example the bus drivers are union members and when they see a picket line you know they radio in and say you know hey i can't cross this picket line give me a different route to take and so the the bus service did not go on campus, and there were some construction projects uh, on campus, and the, uh, a lot of the drivers are members of the Teamsters or the operating engineers, and they saw a picket line, and they turned around, and so the construction work was uh, halted on campus that day, and that was because people stood up. Some people stood up and spoke, and some people just stood up in solidarity with other people and so every every single person who was there ha contributed to that effort couldn't no one person could have done it uh, a charismatic leader all by him or herself could not have carried that out without the hundreds of individuals who who saw that this was an important event and and took part in it and that julian were you there Yes, I was there. <laughs> so tell us about it. what was your experience of, of, of it from the ground? What time did you get there? What brought you there? I mean, uh, uh, did you just like wake up and go, oh, man, what's going on? I probably got on location probably around noon. And it, it, it's an interesting, It's a, it was interesting because I'm used to uh, more city activism as mm -hmm. opposed to campus activism and uh, I actually talk about this a lot that on a campus the dynamic is it, it's really different and so you have to kind of play to that setting and I think the ideal of shutting down the campus was a, a really key strategy to actually showing people that you know there are students on this campus willing to fight for our rights and our services because if you look at how things are going on how things are going right now with the budget cuts we really don't have any control of what's going on. We have no power. Or we have no say in what type of services or what type of uh, resources we get. And it, in some sense, it, we are students. Uh, students on any college campus, it, are they really do represent a marginalized class, a marginalized labor force, because we, we're, we're doing work for the university, yet we have no say-so in what's going on. And I think the March 4th protest by the students was excellent in the sense that it, it shows that we have some type of power. We can shut down this campus. We are a critical component of this campus. Even though we may not know what's going on with the budget or we can't control where things go, we have the ability to kind of hinder things. And I think that was a really key moment for the UCSC students. So uh, with at the uh, Real Work event uh, on campus at Kresge College, which is going to be on Monday... Um, the April the 26th at 7 p.m. Besides the two short films that uh, that um, Julian was talking about, we will also have, um, not sure exactly who it's going to be, but there'll be students and, and probably staff and faculty members at that event talking about uh, campus activities, such as the May 4th and relating how the... Um, how the the various groups have managed to uh, to develop a uh, collaborative approach on on taking actions.
Now, one thing I note is that uh, on Tuesday, April 27th, you've got Who Will Pick the Avocados showing at the Calvary Episcopal Red Church in Santa Cruz. And this makes me think that uh, religion and the organized church have some ties to labor, too. And these days, I'm wondering how that works and if it works and is is our church members coming to labor are labor members coming to church uh the political how are the political divisions uh affecting the social and labor relations well uh, i think you're reading a little more into that than than is really happening because Mm -hmm. the uh, calvary episcopal red church is just a convenient location Mm -hmm. and their um their pastor and their staff are supportive but uh, it's not it's not a church activity Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, we're they just have a a hall that they will that they will rent. So um, we're taking advantage of their uh, you know of their location and their and their willingness to have us. We've been at their location for three or four years now. And um, well, that said, uh, there's yeah. still a there is there is there a relation between labor and the church? Do any of the films in the series explore that relation? Um, because both. Um, in it arguably many people who attend church uh, also belong to labor unions well that's true and probably the only film that i can think of that really touches dwells on that would be the film in watsonville uh, watsonville on strike and because the uh, in that uh, in that strike uh 20 years ago the um most of the workers at the um, at the packing plants at the frozen food factories were uh, were Hispanic women, and most of them were um, uh, very were active and, and devout Catholics. You know, there's a very a lot of people in the Watsonville community are mm-hmm. Catholics, and so I know that that film does touch on. Uh, on the role of the church in um, in that film, now, in their their uh, relation to that strike. Uh, one of the films that's showing at the SEI Union Hall is "Brother, Can You Spare a Dime?" from uh, nine, 2009, um, and this is a look at the 1930s, which, as you mentioned before, is becoming unfortunately uh, relevant these days. Right. Yeah, that's really not a film. That's a presentation of of the the singer-songwriters, Charlie King and Karen Brando. Mm -hmm. And it's mostly a history presented in song, uh, although they will be showing uh, some visuals along with it. It's kind of a, you know, it's it's more than just a concert. It's, it's, um, uh, you know, it's sort of a historical workshop, they call it. Uh, and of course, I'm really looking forward to hearing them sing that uh, that classic song, "Brother, Can You Spare a Dime?" Uh, is it a sing along? Uh, that one is. I'm sure there's going to be some f- some songs in that event that uh, people know and are going to join in on. Uh, but we do have um, two other events where we we're definitely calling them sing alongs. Of mm-hmm. course, on May Day. Uh, our parade is that we're going to have music there and invite people to sing a lot of old labor songs. And the other one is on May the 5th at Cabrillo College in Aptos. Uh, again, 
uh, starting at 7. Most of the events in the evening start at 7. That one, before we show the movie Bound for Glory about Woody Guthrie, about his life, um, David Winters, a local musician who's a... Uh, officer in his uh, musicians union and he's always contributed to the film festival he's going to be leading uh sing along there again of well-known and uh and labor songs um now if our listeners want to find out more about uh the real work uh film festival and, and you know specifically where things are what um give us an idea talk a little bit about the website and where you know the admissions how much is the admission to the events is it uh as well, much brother as many dimes as you can spare <laughs> yeah that's it that's it at the door we say brother can you spare a dime uh, voluntary donation all of our admission is by voluntary donation except actually at that one um charlie king and karen brando uh, because they need to cover their travel expenses. Uh, we do have an admission price on that one. But uh, the full schedule and all the details are on our website at www.realwork.org. That's R-E-E-L-W-O-R-K dot O-R-G. And um, for people who don't have Internet access, uh, you can call one of our... Uh, organizing committee members at 831-477-1665. That's uh, 831-477-1665. But at the realwork.org website, we have complete program uh, schedule. We have more detail about each one of the films and links to uh, websites about those films. We have the full archives of all the previous uh, year's programs that we've done. Uh, quite a rich history there of uh, labor film. Um, uh, Julian, uh, talk about uh, the... Um, as a as a student, you were saying that you guys uh, felt that you were somewhat like almost the employees of the, of the, of the school. And, but I think actually the, the better model is you're the customers. And it's like, you know, you're going there and, and asking for vegetarian fare and they're giving you, you know, uh, hamburgers <laughs> and and cheaper and cheaper hamburgers all the time it seems uh, talk about uh, you know uh, participating in labor events before you've you know essentially led a life of labor uh, you know I, I know that, that I'm guessing that Jeff's been in the workforce for, for a few years and, uh, and I, I I put in a few years in the workforce uh, I don't know how many, I'm sure you put in some, but talk about that perception of seeing the history and knowing yet you're at the beginning of your own history. Hmm. I think the main, the main difference for myself is that a lot of it is kind of mystified. And all, what, it, what these films do is they kind of represent struggles of the past. And it's kind of like, you know, you're in a, you're you're looking at a puzzle in some sense, and you're kind of connecting you're connecting each piece. And I think the reason why I, I, you kind of feel like you're at the beginning is that for students and or for my generation is that we really don't know what how what and how the system is affecting us entirely. The one thing we do have is like historical references and facts and social documentation and things like this to kind of push us along. And I think one of the key things is that we have to make that stride where we kind of reclaim things and we have to reclaim our history because 
it's like we're, we're being exploited in some sense and we don't know how and i feel like that's a problem like you kind of said with the employee the the whole example that you gave that like we're kind of customers I say, I say we're we're kind of being we're employees in the sense that we we really do work for the university that we keep the university afloat without the students what is the university mm-hmm. so in some sense they offer services to us to kind of keep us there but once things go downhill those services are gone and it's like where does that leave the students now one of the things um i wanted to to talk about was that um as a that you're the, really one of the first generations to grow up in, in an environment where the power of labor is almost entirely absent from from the, from the social scene, and, and this is not to put a damper on the SEIU and the, the labor unions that are there, but I remember, and I'm sure again Jeff does too, the times when labor unions, you know, really had carried a lot of political power. They had they got as much media time as the Tea Party does now. I mean, so uh, talk about um, growing up and 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 just existing in a world where labor doesn't have that much power but seeing you know the i think the the virtue of this kind of film festival is that it exposes you to a world to what's possible i mean to the the fact that it could i mean when you talk people when he gave the statistic one in three uh, uh in in uh, early 50s one in three workers in the united states were in labor unions and right now it's uh, around 10 percent you know, if you were to say to some to, to to Julian, yeah, one in three people might be in a union. That might seem kind of like some science fiction uh, improbability to him. And, and what that's, I think, the virtue of the, seeing these kind of uh, films is that it's not science fiction; it's the past. Yeah, it, it kind of it is. From my personal experience, I grew up in South Central LA, mm-hmm. so. Employment is very scarce there, being an urban city, and you know, in that one area, there's a lot of poverty. So, the whole ideal of a, a, the labor union or union in general is kind of it's kind of like a myth or a legend when I was growing up. <laughs> so, I mean, my like I said, my experience kind of I kind of got experience to it when I first came to college because when I was working in LA a lot of I worked for a lot of nonprofits I worked for a lot of uh, volunteer grassroots organizations where we were working for the struggles to get benefits and secure uh, assets to kind of improve community improve the community so when I look at these films I'm like I've seen some of these struggles I've 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 witnessed locations or environments similar to this where people are going through like these everyday struggles in the current sense so it, it I've been on the end where I've kind of been blind to labor unions and the power that labor unions can kind of produce when they're created. So, And it strikes me that the kind of education you're getting, it makes you an absolutely pristine, perfect person to go into labor organization because you're a person who understands what, what things are like at ground level, but also has the ability, who has gained some of the skills through this college that has provided them for you. Uh, at your at great expense, uh, to to you know uh, organize those things. So talk talk about that. And, and Jeff, maybe you, why don't you yeah. chime in too? Right. Well, my my union is always, and I'd say most of the labor unions today are really looking to snatch up uh, young people who are idealistic and energetic and have some uh, 
some uh, analysis of, uh, of, of how our economic system is working. I, I just wanted to mention before our hour is up that uh, here we are at your uh, KUSP studios in Santa Cruz, but I know your listening audience is much broader than that. And although real work started in Santa Cruz County, uh, it has expanded uh, far beyond our borders. And we have... Uh, both on the program that we're looking at here and on the website, we have a whole schedule of events over in Santa Clara County, uh, mostly at the um, San Jose City College. And then we have another series of events in Monterey County, in Marina and at CSUMB. And uh, for the first time, we're going to have an event at the Steinbeck Center in Salinas. So... Uh, those uh, listeners out of the area, you know, if you check the website, you'll see you might find something in your town. Poetic justice at the Steinbeck Center—it's unnatural, a, a <laughs> is, it, is it not? Yes, absolutely. You've been uh, listening to Talk of the Bay. I'm your host, Rick Kleffel. I've been speaking with Julian Brackett. Uh, he's with the Real Work Film Festival, and. Uh, He's uh, the student coordinator, and uh, Jeff Sned- Smedberg, he's uh, with the Real Work Film Festival. Jeff, what what are you in the Real Work Film Festival? Uh, I've just, uh, the title is uh, just one of the organizers. And you're one of the organizers. Yeah. And you can find out more about the Real Work Film Festival by going to their website at WWR at realwork r e e l w o r k dot org. There you have complete schedules. You'll get a good sensibility of uh, what's going on in in the program. And there's a lot of great stuff. It starts uh, Sunday, April twenty fifth, with a showing at twelve noon of Food Inc. at the Nickelodeon Theater. We'll hope to see you all there. Thank you for joining me, Julian and Jeff. Okay. Well, Thank you very okay. much. Thank you for having us. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.